we look at James chapter 2 this morning. James uh, chapter 2. Uh, before we dig in too far, are there any topics in your life that you know that you're guaranteed to argue about? Any, any of those topics? Uh, I mean, as a country, we, we have a whole list of things that we argue about. We, we, we argue about whether uh, we should be Democrats or whether we should be Republicans. And I mean, it seems like that argument just never, ever seems uh, to go away. Uh, but sometimes there are even bigger issues like that, like which end of the toothpaste do you squeeze from? Uh, is it better to have an Xbox or a PlayStation? Do you want to have an Android phone or do you want to have an iPhone? Really, really important issues like who has the best chicken in town? Is it Cane's or is it Chick-fil-A? Uh, then the biggest question of all, crunchy or creamy peanut butter? Crunchy, we'd all know the answer to that. But there are just some topics that you know that you can come to that there's going to be an argument about the moment that you lay it on the table. Would you believe that there are some faith and theological and biblical topics that we argue about as well? Would you believe that there are some questions that are just like that, that we have been arguing about for, for months and years and decades and centuries and even millennia, that we, you could just put this topic on the table and <clears throat> boom, there goes an argument just like that. We're not going to handle all of them this morning. In fact, we're just going to take a look at one of them. And, and one of them is, this question is, is the key to knowing God and pleasing God? Is it believing or is it doing? Is it believing or is it doing? Is it faith or is it works? Now, this has been a question almost from the beginning of Christianity that there has been this debate. We, we, we hear some people say, listen, we are a, we are a faith that is about believing. And, and we, we, we look at passages of Scripture that say, listen, just believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And they say it is about belief. But other people say, no, 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 no. That's, that, that's easy believism. Uh, that, that's just saying something, but if it doesn't have some, if you don't have something that you can show that demonstrates that those aren't just words in your life, and in fact, here are some bare minimums. If you don't do these things, then it doesn't count, and it's not real. In fact, these arguments have been going on so long that this <clears throat> epistle of James that we are looking at, it was almost left out of the New Testament. They were kind of looking at the list and saying, okay, these are the things that are inspired of God. These are the things that we know have the fingerprints, the very voice of God in them. The Spirit of God is so rich in them. And they were making the list. And some people said, oh, we've got to put James in that list. And other people said, whoa, 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 whoa there. James can't go on that list. And the whole debate point was about James was about this question of whether it was believing or whether it was doing. And in fact, when you read the epistle of James, the letter of James, you hear him talk about doing a lot. And remember, we, we said a couple of weeks ago, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. That's, that's exactly right. Don't just be hearers of the word, but, but be doers of the word. In this passage of scripture, he's going to talk an awful lot about the works that we do. In fact, the, the word here that James is using is the word ergon, as in like ergonomically. It has to do with work. It has to do with effort. I like to describe it as this is things that, that make you sweat and send you home tired. 
James is going to say that your faith should show up in some works that leave you tired and sweaty. It should show up. You see, the discussion and the debate that's been going on for all of this time, before James, during James, and after James, is this idea is, is it faith or is it works? There's a choice between faith or works, and James says it's not a choice, it's a definition. Works is the visible representation of faith. And so people say, what do we do with James? Because he, he, he seems to be dive into this debate that we're still having about faith versus works. So what do we do with James? I'll tell you what we do with James. We listen to him. We listen to him. Because what James is going to tell us in the passage that we read just a few moments ago is that faith and works are not a choice. They are a definition. They are the same thing. They, they are attached and you cannot separate those two things at all. And so this morning I want us to talk about faith that works. I put sweats up there because that's really what I mean. Faith that sends you home tired at the end of the day. I put it in parentheses because I didn't know whether we could use the word sweat in church or not. So faith that works or sweats. I would tell you that faith that works or sweats makes a difference in the world. This right kind of faith, it makes a difference in the world. Here in the opening verses of the passage, beginning with verses 14, 15, and 16, James says, hey, what, is the, what use is works, that, what use is faith that you can't see? He says, let me give you a, a hypothetical situation. Suppose somebody in front of you is poorly clothed and doesn't have enough food to eat for today. And what happens if when you meet this person who is poorly clothed and does not have enough food for it, if you say, well, well God bless you, and, and I hope that you are warm, and I hope that you are filled, but you don't do anything about it. You don't raise a finger, you don't make a difference. Now, in one sense, I say that this is hypothetical because say if you meet someone who is poorly clothed or if they do not have enough food for the day. But keep in mind, when we just looked at James just last week, he gave the example of one person who comes in who is dressed in fine clothes and has a gold ring on their finger and another person walks in with shabby clothing. Wait a minute, maybe this isn't hypothetical. Maybe inside of that church, maybe inside of those communities, it was a very real presence that they were running into people who had very specific, very real needs. And the people of God were claiming faith and not doing a single thing about it. Because we are a people that like to argue, and when I say people, I mean a human race, but even people of faith still have some of that attributes inside of them. This argument still continues today about which matters more. In fact, some people have put so much emphasis on faith and believing and committing to the right things that their conclusion has been 
What matters more than anything else is that you believe all of the right things. And in fact, they get frustrated because they believe that some people are being distracted by things such as poverty or racism or brokenness or vulnerability or brokenheartedness or grief. And the reaction that comes to that is, listen, we need to be committed in our faith and not be distracted by those other isms. Now, I'm going to tell you that if we choose that approach, where we say we are going to be so pure in what we believe, then we refuse to be distracted by those isms. There's a couple things that are going to happen. One, it's going to do irrevocable harm to our witness. It's going to be really hard to tell somebody about how much Jesus loves them when we haven't done anything to demonstrate that we love them. It's going to be really, really hard for us to say, my life has been transformed and my priorities have been reordered and I seek to please God, to love God and to love others. But, but good luck to you. In fact, there's this idea that says that when we come across a very real need, that we just spout spiritual words. And we spout spiritual words like, I hope that works out for you, I'm praying for you, thoughts and prayers, and we never lift a finger. It offends the world around us that says, I thought you were different. You've been talking about all the right things, and yet it doesn't show up in anybody's life going to harm our witness and it's going to offend the world. But I will tell you more significantly than that, it's going to harm our worship and it offends our God. Because he says, what good is it that you spout and speak all of the right spiritual beliefs and you don't do anything with it? He says, what good is worship that sees a person in needs and speaks some spiritual gobbledygook over it and never steps in to help? Now, I will tell you that it's a mess out there. Anybody needed me to tell you that? You kind of came today and thought the world was perfect out there and it wasn't complicated at all. Listen, it is a mess out there. And there are some problems out there that are really, really hard to solve both on the systemic level and on individual levels. And the truth is that we're not going to be able to solve, you're not going to be able to solve, our church is not going to be able to solve every single one of those issues. But that does not excuse us from having an obligation to step in and solve some of those issues. We can't do all of them. But when God puts in front of us a person with specific needs, that we have resources and ability to change. God says that when you speak the words without taking the actions, he says it's an offense. In fact, it, it kind of reminds me of the old Star Trek shows, the, the old black and white Star Trek shows. Uh, 
Captain James T. Kirk would beam down to the planet. He'd usually bring some guys with him, always Dr. McCoy was with him, and they'd show up on the scene on this planet, and, and all of a sudden there were these people splayed around or something like that, and, and Dr. McCoy would go over and kneel over to them, and, and, and Dr. McCoy would hold them or something and say, he's dead, Jim, he's dead. James chapter 2 says that when we separate our faith from our works, it says that our faith is dead. I would hate for the Spirit of God to come up upon my life, come upon me, and take my spiritual pulse, saying spiritually, he's dead. He's dead. And when we separate our faith from our works, what we believe from what we do, it's spiritual death. Faith that works, that sweats, makes a difference in the world. It impacts the lives of the people around us. But I would also tell you the faith that works or sweats makes a difference in my life. There's a conversation here in James chapter 2. James is putting a corrective word. I kind of warned you that James was going to kind of get in our grill a little bit when we, when we studied this letter. And, and there's a response that some people say, well, James, everybody lives out their faith differently. You know, I have faith and you have works. We're just going to do it differently. James says, what are you talking about? In fact, James says, listen, if you want to talk about a club that just says we believe, let me tell you who the charter members of that club are. He says the charter members of people who believe, he says it's the demons. He says the demons believe. He said, great, you believe just like a demon. And the demons, as the Cajuns would say, hey, the the demons believe in God and it gives them the, the freezones, the, the, the pricklies on the arm, and it makes them shudder. The issue that James is saying here, listen, if you simply believe and nod your head to the right things, that that puts you tied with the demons. Again, not something that we want to be true. So, how do we balance these things? Because we did just finish studying the Gospel of John, and in the Gospel of John it said, believe and you will be saved. Believe, I've written these things so that you may believe and have eternal life. Believe, believe, believe. But James is saying, listen, belief has to be a belief that leads to action. There's a couple preacher illustrations, old preacher illustrations. One of them, they, they always talk about a chair. You know, do you believe this chair will hold me up? And, and the question is, you've got to decide if you're going to sit in it. Now, I had a chair in my office that every time somebody sat in it, it was questionable. It creaked like crazy, and we've replaced that chair because that, that was starting to be, I don't know whether anybody else should sit in that chair because it may not hold you up. But the, but the second preacher illustration is the preacher illustration of the great high-wire trapeze artist they used to go to impressive places like the Niagara Falls, and he would run a trapeze line across the falls, and he would go back and forth and take amazing things back and forth, and he'd start to carry things as he'd go back and forth. And then he took a wheelbarrow, and he pushed the wheelbarrow across the line, and then as he gets across the line, he says, does anybody believe that I could push a person in this wheelbarrow? 
And people are like, yeah. And then he says, well, who wants to be that person? No. Because there's a difference between believing and nodding your head and getting in the wheelbarrow. I actually had the chance to go to a place up in North Georgia where they've got some of these valleys and gorges, and they actually had pictures of this guy doing this in North Georgia. He didn't just do it at Niagara Falls. It's actually a true preacher story. Those are rare. Uh, it, it, really, it really happened. Now, chances are nobody's going to come up to you this week with a wheelbarrow and say, get in. That they're not going to carry you across Lake Pontchartrain in a wheelbarrow. That's not going to come. But what we talk about is that a true believer, a disciple, joyfully pursues the patterns, the priority, and the purpose of Jesus. Those are actions. Those are things that we do. Those are moments that come up in our life that says, I'm going to choose to act, to do, because what Jesus has done inside of me, because of what I believe about Jesus. James, in fact, gives a couple case studies. In fact, he gets a little spicy at this point. In this passage, and so far in the, in the letter of James, he has called us brothers and sisters seven different times brothers. You know how you greet somebody, my brother, my brother, it, it, it's friendly. You know, sometimes even when we want to say something that's hard, we, we say, brother, I just got to say this. Seven different times he has called us brothers. But here in the middle of this passage, he says, do I really need to prove this to you, you foolish people? Do you really think that you separate your faith from what you do? And he gives two case studies. He gives a case study of Abraham, who is the great father of the Israelite people. And he tells the story of how God called Abraham to do an incredible, amazing thing, and that was to take his son, his only son, and to sacrifice him. And the story is told how Abraham packs up his stuff, he packs up uh, the, the firewood, he packs up the, the kindling that he's going to take, and he goes up the mountain with his son. His son starts to ask questions and says, Dad, we, we, we've got the firewood, we've got the kindling, where's the sacrifice? It's kind of an awkward conversation. And Abraham says, God will provide. In fact, it tells us that, that Abraham put his son on top of that altar and this is a remarkable thing. Raise that knife. God interrupted that. But the reason why Abraham was obedient, he says, because he believed that even if he had to raise Isaac from the dead, God would do it. That was a wheelbarrow moment. Are you just going to say you believe Abraham? Or are you going to climb that mountain? Are you going to carry your son? Are you going to go to the, all the length because you are ready to act on what I do? James gives a second case study. He tells the story of Rahab. Abraham is famous. He's one of the great people of the Old Testament. Rahab is kind of a footnote. You read it in the passage. She's identified as a prostitute. She lives in Jericho. Because of her line of work, uh, it was the entry point that the spies, when they came to spy out Jericho, came in and out. 
It was a house that you would have been used to strangers coming and going. And when she discovers that they are spies and the law of the land is that anyone sees the spies, we know we've got spies in the land. If you've got spies, turn them over. And she has to choose between loyalty to her family, to her city, to her people, to everything that she's known before. Or whether in that moment she is going to shift the allegiance of her life to the God of Israel. And in that moment, she makes the shift. The wheelbarrow came, and she got in the wheelbarrow. Again, in your life, it may not be that dramatic. But there are going to be moments in this week with your resources, your time, your words, your relationships, your pursuits, that there's going to be an opportunity for you to chase after the things of God and for you to live differently only because of what you believe about Jesus. Faith is more than just the demons nodding their head and saying, I I believe. Kind of spooky, I believe. It's going to actually rearrange my life. I would also tell you that faith that works or sweats makes a difference in my soul, makes a difference in my soul. The last verse of chapter 2 says that just like you cannot separate the spirit from the body, when the spirit and the body are separated, it is dead, so is faith and works if you separate them. They're dead. Now, we emphasize faith a great deal. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us, that we are saved by grace through faith. It's not of our own doing, it's the gift of God. It's not the result of works or ergon, so that no one can boast. But our Vacation Bible School kids learned this two weeks ago. Verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, for the purpose of of good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are not saved by works, but we are saved for works. James says you cannot separate these two things out. Sometimes faith is hard. Sometimes we go through some hard stretches. Sometimes we go through a stretch where it just feels like it's just not alive inside of us. Now, I'm not going to say this is the case every time, but I'm going to tell you that sometimes when we say, my faith isn't working, it's maybe because my faith isn't working. My faith isn't feeling alive inside of me because I'm not letting my faith work and sweat and do and rearrange my life. Sometimes the reason why my faith isn't working is that my faith isn't working. So what does this mean uh, for us? Well, this passage really gives us the opportunity to have a little bit of introspection about our own lives and where we stand. And I want to walk carefully in this because here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to guilt anybody out of the kingdom of God. I don't want you to come in here and say, yeah, I'm a believer, 
And then because the preacher kind of pushed hard today, you're like, well, maybe I'm not a believer. I don't want you to come in here today, and, and I don't want you to be driven by guilt that says, oh, my, uh, maybe I haven't done enough. But you know what? You haven't. <laughs> but neither is the person next to you or the person in front of you. That's called grace. He's handled all of the gaps that's missing. So I'm not here to pour guilt over your life. But I am here to challenge you that if you believe, it needs to show up and rearrange your life. It needs to rearrange daily decisions, daily words, daily relationships, daily using of resources, daily rearranging of your schedule. I only do this because of what I believe about Jesus. I want to challenge you with that. And then I want to invite you Man, maybe you thought that belief was just nodding your head and you just kind of thought that if you nodded your head on the right day at the right time when the preacher said the right words, well, that was good. Set, checklist, done. Don't have to worry about that again. But maybe this morning you understand that, no, 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 being a follower of Jesus is something we do with our whole life for our whole life with our whole life for the duration of our whole life. It's not just nodding. Neither John nor James nor Jesus or anybody in between has ever given the impression that nodding your head is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It is to say, here is my life. And so this morning, if you have never given your life to Jesus in that way, here is my whole life for my whole life. And man, I'd love to pray with you today. Love to pray with you down front. I'm also in the back. I'm in the office during the week. But it's a big deal. If you want to say yes to Jesus with your whole life for your whole life, then man, I'd love to pray with you about that. Would you stand and would you respond?